Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast, where we interview the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Mark. He is a co-founder over at Big Kickstart. Thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And to start off, why don't you just tell us, you know, a little bit more about where the idea for the product came from? What was that pain point that either you suffered on, on, you know, on your own notice, this was a, a big opportunity that other people were having, or where did you see the pain point? Yeah, so it, it was really created out of necessity. So I've worked with lots of different shopping cart and billing platforms over the eight years of being an online entrepreneur. And so I've sold everything from software to information programs to coaching. And um, I noticed that a lot of the carts were very archaic. Uh, they were, they were very, uh, they were not flexible. They wouldn't really adapt to um, my business. And, you know, because we were selling lots of different types of goods, I needed the flexibility to, to be able to charge certain types of ways and, and be able to also manage my affiliates in an effective way. And so, you know, we, we got to a point where, you know, we were developing a lot of software over the years and, and we have a great team of developers and designers. And so we just felt that we could do it better. Like, you know, we tried probably five or six different shopping cart and affiliate management solutions and they just, they weren't meeting our needs. And so um, pay kickstart really was an internal tool. We just used it for selling our own products and services. And then uh, people started to hear about what we were doing and, and like people would use our affiliate management area and they'd be like, wow, that's really cool. Or they'd see our checkout pages and be like, Oh, how'd, how'd you do that one click upsell? That was really slick. And so they started to hear about what we were doing and, and we decided that, you know, it'd probably be best for, for us to allow other vendors to be able to use the platform and, and be able to benefit from it. What, how did you first get started in, in really, you know, the online world? Like what was the first thing that you ever did? Yeah. So I'll try to give you the cliff notes version of it. So I had worked uh, for a few different uh, marketing agencies for about four or five years. Mm -hmm. So I had a, a pretty general background in terms of uh, search engine optimization, pay-per-click, email marketing, social media. I was helping local businesses with, with their marketing campaigns. And so I really got exposed to a lot early on on how to drive traffic, how to generate leads and, and mm -hmm. sales. And um, I ended up getting fired for my last job, which was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, uh, I didn't really see it coming, but so I got fired. And, and so um, I, I continued to work with local businesses just on my own. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I quickly realized that I didn't want to trade time for money. And it was really hard to scale the yeah. agency side of things. And I'm sure you running an agency, you, you feel those challenges and pains and you kind of know what, what I'm talking about. And so what I, I just started to learn, I stumbled upon a place called the Warrior Forum, which is the largest forum for internet marketers and internet entrepreneurs. And I saw people selling all different types of products and solutions. And I saw some of these threads and like people were selling thousands of units or thousands of copies of their software, or their training programs. I just wanted to like learn how they were doing it. And so I started to reverse engineer and figure out what these guys were doing. And believe me, it, it took me a couple of years before I kind of really understood exactly what, what to do, how to work with affiliate partners and um, how to create a product that people want, how to bring it to a market. <clears throat> and so I, I was lucky enough to partner with a few people who kind of showed me the ropes and introduced me to uh, a number of really talented people, designers, developers, um, uh, affiliates. And I was just started to build my network and um, started to create my own products. 
And um, I just, I loved it. I, I loved the fact that I could create a product and have it sell 24 seven. And it was just much easier to scale. I felt like, um, like, so, sorry, like software products. You were creating products. Yeah. So uh, in the beginning I, I created a few information programs, just like training programs, just to kind of get my feet wet on how to, <laughs> you know, record videos, put it inside of a member's area, um, how to, you know, create my sales pages, that kind of fun stuff. And then um, I actually hired a development company to create uh, a WordPress plugin, which was my first piece of software. And I think I paid like 30 grand for it. And at the time that was a lot of money for me. And that was a big risk. And, um, it flopped when I first <clears throat> launched it, it flopped and it, it didn't do well, but, um, I knew that it, I knew it was a good product, but I just didn't, I, I wasn't able to, con you know, connect all the dots. And so I was, I actually found someone who was kind of a, an authority in the space and they helped me to relaunch it with, you know, kind of a product launch formula, if you will, with uh, affiliates on board. And, and so we were able to drive a ton more eyeballs to it with all these affiliates. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, it was my first six figure launch I ever did. And we did that in about a week. And, um, right. I started to connect all the dots and the rest is history. I just kind of scaled that model up for a number of years. So when is the right time to introduce affiliate marketing to let's, let's say in this case, since the podcast is for SAS, right? Let's just talk about SAS in this case, because I know pay kickstart, has multiple use cases, right? Whether you're e-com or, or SaaS company or many others, but for in the, in the case of SaaS, when is it the right time to introduce affiliate marketing? Yeah. So for, for SaaS companies, it's always been an afterthought. Um, it's always, it's not something that they really think about. They, they, they worry more about organic optimization and, and paid search. And you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, I, I the way I look at it, and I guess I'm a little biased because I do own a, a, an affiliate <laughs> management solution. And, and that was one of the best ways for me to build my business, build my list was to recruit affiliates. But I, I don't see any reason. There's no downside to uh, starting it from day one and recruiting affiliates uh, from day one. And so usually what happens is you start to adjust your affiliate program as you start to get bigger. So when you first start out and you don't have any customers, you're just looking for traffic and looking for sales. You just want to, to, to grow your business. Mm -hmm. And so usually what happens is in the beginning of running an affiliate program, you end up giving a lot, right? You, you end up, you have higher commissions. You have to hold people's hands on like informing people on how to use the product as well as how to promote it. Um, and so, and, and so there's a little bit more um, legwork in involved with running your affiliate program, but it's a great way to get started because it, it mitigates the risk on your part because people who are driving traffic, they're doing that for free in right. hopes of referring someone and, and then them earning a commission. So mm -hmm. usually in the beginning, you have to you know, increase your commission so that they're going to want to promote it. But then as you start to build a following, as your product starts to mature, you'll notice that you can start to back that down and you've probably found alternative ways to drive traffic. And maybe at that point, your organic reach is fairly large and you're just getting people from, you know, from Google and other organic methods. So affiliates can just be um, one spoke in, in, in the wheel. And, um, but I think it should always be there. It's just, but you know, that, that ratio of, you know, what makes up your sales pie, um, it's going to adjust as your product matures. What's the best way to find the right affiliates, right? I mean, I imagine that, you know, obviously like I could be an affiliate for everybody, but am I the best affiliate for everybody, right? So like where, where, where would somebody go to, to first of all, find these affiliates? And second of all, how do you go about vetting them or creating a process to 
you know, essentially make sure these people are the right people to be uh, representing your brand because, uh, you know, it, it becomes an extension of essentially your sales team at one point. So I guess you, you have to have some guidelines as far as behavior and things like that go so that somebody doesn't stain uh, your brand in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. So uh, just to kind of touch on that last question about how to, how to almost, you almost have to like train people on how to like your messaging and what you're about, what your vision is, because like you said, you, you don't want affiliates to promote you in the wrong light. Right. And so one thing that, that we always do is we'll give our affiliates a PDF doc that just kind of outlines our vision, our background, what we're all about, who we serve and what type of message we want to them to broadcast out. And we also will, you know, put in some legal guidelines too, like don't do anything unethical, don't be spamming people, that type of thing. So that that's one thing that you can do right off the bat if, if you do allow people to promote, just to have them review that, acknowledge, and then obviously you can, if you're gonna have a few bad apples every once in a while, but you know, that's a good affiliate program can detect those types of fraudulent things or be able to remove them. Um, so that's what I would do there. In terms of how to find affiliates, um, there's a few different ways. Uh, you can work with JV brokers. These are people that just have connections with affiliates. Um, and, and all they do is just connect product creators with affiliates. And they'll earn a commission. Uh, usually it's like 5 or 10% for that introduction. And whatever that affiliate generates, they're going to earn kind of what's called a second tier commission. And so that's a really nice way, especially if you don't if you don't have any clout in your space, if people don't know who you are, if you don't have authority in your space, that's a good place to start. Um, but if you do, if, if you've been around for a little while and um, you know, just, just old school networking, getting on Facebook and, and LinkedIn and, and going to events and meeting people in your space, um, you know, link, uh, Facebook groups are a great place to, there's tons of, uh, of engagement in Facebook groups. And so I always meet tons of, you have to think of it this way, every product creator is probably an affiliate as well. So if you're running a business, that means you probably have a, a list, you have subscribers, you have customers, and you have an audience. And mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of finding the right um, people to work with and make sure there's some synergy there and, and you right. complement. Understood. To switch the gears here a little bit, aside from affiliate marketing, what were some of the ways that you used to build up pay Kickstart from the very beginning? Yeah. So uh, a couple things. We we actually had our own internal email list of customers. So prior to pay Kickstart, we we have a sister company called Digital Kickstart, and that houses basically I don't know probably ten different products that we've created, uh, WordPress plugins, SaaS uh, SaaS applications, and so we were able to build a list of over a hundred thousand subscribers and customers. And so that we had that in our, at our disposal, which I understand a lot of people don't have that when they're starting a brand new company. So that was nice for us to be able to rely on is, is to have that internal um, email list to just expose people to, to the platform. Um, a couple other things that we did, which uh, were helpful were um, to start using review sites like Captera and G2, that, that's been helpful. Um, we also started to run webinars with affiliate partners. So we'd get a couple hundred people on the webinars and uh, create a webinar offer, more of like a high ticket, offer where they can get the platform for a year. So mm -hmm. we've done that. Um, and, and then more of our long-term approach has been more of the, the, the traditional SEO route. So we still publish two or three um, blog posts a week. We do um, guest posting. We'll do things like podcast interviews like we're doing right now. So we've tried to do a, a, a number of things, but we try to balance it between short-term and long-term traffic. Okay. Would you say that obviously with us 
mainly focusing on on paid acquisition, is it smart for, you know, would it be smart for an agency like ourselves or or any other agency that's running paid advertising campaigns for their client instead of running campaigns to acquire users through just, you know, I guess you want to call it first touch or last touch in this case, right? Like I just go to you, you become a user. Um, would it be smart to instead run a campaign, acquire affiliates and kind of have a, you know, compound effect there with the, with, with the traffic and the users that come on board from that? Meaning we're not just getting used, but we're getting affiliates who will get more users. It, I think it depends. It depends on the, the client that you're working with and what, what type of business they have. So if you're dealing with like digital software, then an creating an affiliate program can be extremely beneficial. If you're working with someone who runs a membership program, an, an affiliate program can be very beneficial. If you're working with a service-based industry, like, you know, someone selling fireplaces or insurance, that's probably not, you know, probably paid search and actually paid search is, is pretty expensive um, and so there's things like cold email outreach, cold uh, LinkedIn outreach. So sometimes it's, it's about their budget as well. So you, sometimes you have to find cost effective uh, marketing uh, in order to generate your leads. But as, as I'm sure you know, you know, um, pay-per-click or paid ads is one of the quickest ways to test the market and mm -hmm. see if your product ha has viability and if there's an audience for it, but you have, you have to be able to track, you have to know your numbers and you right. have to be prepared to possibly lose money in the short term for long-term gains. Mm -hmm. What is the hardest thing that you've encountered as you built pay kickstart? Cause I, I feel like it's different for you because you've had experience with the, like, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like software companies can, can be relatively similar to, you know, a membership site or something like that, where you're just selling digital products. Right. But what's the, like from, from switching over from uh, let's say a digital product, what was the hardest thing from going from that over to a, a SaaS model? Yeah. Well, you're I mean, not even switching, for, right. But creating because you're still right. doing the others. Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest thing is that we've had to really shift the majority of our resources, our focus to growing pay kickstart just because, you know, if, if we want to be one of the mainstream players in the space, we need to be able to compete with our, our, our competition, which is, is fairly steep. And so, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we've had to overcome was getting people to make the switch to our shopping cart. So, I mean, we're a billing solution. So we're really the, the, the heart and soul and foundation of an online business. And, you know, it's, it's hard to get people just to switch over. Yeah. Um, so, and that we, we definitely felt that early on for the first year or two, people were like, well, I, you know, I don't really know who you are. I've never heard of you. Mm. Um, and so, it, you know, it took us a couple of years before people started to hear our name and they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to listen and, you know, get, we, now we have, you know, over a thousand uh, vendors using our platform and they're, they're our biggest, you know, champions of the, of the product. And so that was our biggest hurdle was just building our, um, our, our influence and people just having that brand recognition that people would feel comfortable really, you know, putting our platform in control of the most sensitive part, right. which is billing. That makes sense. Now, when it comes down to managing a team, uh, how large is your team right now? Uh, it's about 25. Full, uh, and full everybody, time. everybody works remote too. Yeah. So yeah, we've always been remote. It's, it's been something that has been kind of in our DNA. Uh, I've, I hated going into an office. I, I just didn't like it. I'm, I'm yeah. I don't know. It just wasn't for me. 
So um, yeah, we've just figured out a way to, to be still very efficient with it. We know how to track all of our employees, make sure they hit their, their goals or deadlines. Um, a lot of the guys, I mean, the majority of our team, they've been with us for, for five, six years. So they, they love working with us and we have just a, a great camaraderie and um, we, we get stuff done. So we're very lean. I mean, we're a bootstrap company. Yeah. So um, we're lean, but we're very efficient. That's awesome. Obviously, this is one of the biggest talks right now, right? Like you're looking online, you look on Twitter, whatever, coronavirus is all over the place. People are going to work from home. They don't know what to do for productivity or just to stay focused. Like you've been doing it for so long. What are the, like some of the tips that you would give out if you could um, for anybody that's looking to just improve in that area? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, just, just plan, right. Plan, plan for the future. So like I have a little notebook right here. And so every day, well, usually at the end of every day, I'm going to write out four or five things that I want to accomplish tomorrow. So when I wake up a lot, a lot of, a lot of times what happens is you wake up and you're not sure what to do. So what, what happens is you go on Facebook, you go check your text messages, you're going, you're just getting distracted. And so for me, like I, I wake up, I know exactly what needs to get done. Um, I, I, for the most part, I'm, I'm a pretty clean person. I like to be organized. I like yeah. to remove as many distractions as possible. So I'll keep my phone away from me. I try to stay away from checking my email a thousand times a day. So, I mean, just really being able to plan and know where you want to go, um, is, is so key. And it's, it seems so basic, so, but so many people don't do it. And what about the team side of things? How do you make sure that you know, obviously it takes a lot of discipline from both sides, right? Like your team, yourself, everybody knows that they need to be doing what they need to be doing, but how do you ensure that that's the case? And, and are there any tools that you use that just make that easier? Yeah. So we have uh, weekly sprints. So basically each, each developer designer, they know exactly what they're working on for that week. And usually we'll have kind of a little virtual huddle on a Monday and we'll say, hey, does anybody have any challenges, any questions, anything that's going to stop them from or prevent them from being able to accomplish what they need to get done this week? Mm -hmm. And if they do, we'll address them, we'll overcome them so they know they're good to go. Um, so, you know, that so that, that's what we do. We use um, Jira, which is a kind of a software project management tool. And so we can see what everybody is working on. We can see the progress. We make sure that everyone provides estimates for each task they're going to work on because we, we want them to be held accountable. And so what we do is we have them um, create an, an initial estimate and then the rest of our team will go and collaborate and see like, well, why is it going to take that long? Or, or, you know, here's a way that can make things a little bit more efficient. So we just, we're trying to streamline as best we can. And so it's a collaborative approach and uh, but it's also, we keep each person accountable at the end of the week, we take a look and see where they're at, what went wrong, what, you know, like why they didn't hit their deadline, what can we do to improve, is it a communication thing? Um, so we use JIRA for project management, and then we also use um, Hubstaff, which is for time tracking. Mm -hmm. So you know, we, the last thing we wanna do is look over our employees' shoulders and have to look at screenshots of their work, but you know, believe me, we've, there's been plenty of people we've had to let go just because they have not been efficient or they've been unethical tracking time for stuff that they're not doing. Um, and I kind of have a funny story. I, I had someone that said that they said they worked like 17 hours straight without ever going to the bathroom, ever getting a sip of water. And uh -huh. they were doing this day in and day out. And I'm like, there's no way you're doing that. And, um, 
we were able just to go back to Hubstaff and see that they were obviously trying, like trying to pull one over us. And so sometimes that happens, but for the most part, I mean, a lot of our team, they've been around for years, so I don't have to look over their shoulder, but it's more just for, for billing and, and for just making sure we're being efficient. Yeah, that's good. That's good. If you could go back to day one of pay kickstart and change one thing that you maybe think you did wrong or you think you could have done better, what would that be? Yeah. So I would think the biggest thing is just, you know, uh, feature overload where, you know, you, you create this, this first product, this first iteration and you release it and then you get people from all walks of life coming in saying, Hey, I wish it would do this. I wish it would do that. Yeah. Oh, this feature would be cool. This feature would be cool. I'm not going to buy it until you get. And so what happens is you just have like a hundred different features that people want. And what happens is you get so inundated with just trying to develop, 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 just crank out these features as quickly as possible when in actuality, if you can just solve one problem and be the best at it and Mm -hmm. then go out and market that and build out your customer base. um, I think that's the better approach. Whereas with us, you know, we, we felt we were just so focused on the products and the features and and trying to make everybody happy that it's just, it's impossible to do that. So um, if I could have done it over again, I would have just narrowed down. I would have niched down and, and really focused on one customer segment and then start to expand out. Okay. That's good. That's good feedback. Two, two questions here that I, I tend to get very different answers from obviously everyone. Number one, what is the thing that you're just really, really bad at? (laughs) I, I am uh, numbers. Like I'm not an analytical guy. And actually one of the reasons that I I love my business partner is because he's that guy, he, you know, and he's helped me to kind of you know, like when, when I see zeros and ones, I'm just like, oh God, it's, it's, it, I just get, I, I hate it, right? I'm, I'm yeah. not that type of guy. That's not how my brain, I'm more of the creative guy. Um, yeah. So um, that's one thing, you know, when you look for a partner, find someone who compliments you because he really, he picks up, you know, his strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. Follow up question for this and then I'll answer the second one. How did you guys meet and when did you know, okay, like this is the guy that is going to just be the compliment for this company? Um, so we met just virtually. So, you know, in the, in the internet marketing space where I came from, it, it's actually a fairly small community. There's yeah. probably a couple hundred people in it. And so I think um, we met online, you know, we, I think we chatted on Skype and we had just talked and I think we maybe even uh, promoted each other's products um, before we started a partner. And then we also met at a, at a conference. Uh, it, I think we were actually partners for a couple of years before we actually met yeah. in person, which is kind of crazy to think about. But so we had partnered, we had uh, promoted each other and then we said, Hey, why don't we create a product together? So we created just a small product just to kind of see if this would be a good partnership. And it just worked out really well. We complimented each other really well. And so then we, created another product and another product. And then we're finally like, you know, I think let, let's, let's kind of merge our businesses together and be one. That's and cool. so, um, yeah, so it wasn't an overnight thing, but um, it, it's kind of funny that we, we didn't meet for a couple of years after actually officially working. Yeah. together. Yeah. I've had a couple of uh, friends like that too, where we partnered up. I have one, I think we've known each other for about a year. I haven't met yet. He's down in Miami. I was actually go supposed to leave tonight and this whole coronavirus thing just ruined everything, but we'll see. I don't know yeah. when we'll finally do it, but yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. And then the other question is, what's something that you're really, really good at? 
something that I'm good at. I, I mean, I, I think I'm good at just building processes and being efficient, mm-hmm. um, taking, really taking an idea and, and bringing it to fruition, bringing it to a marketplace. Um, and I did that. And, and one of the hardest things for me to do is to not continuously do that. So for a number of years, I, would, I just love to create. I love to create sol- products and solutions for online business owners. And so I was just creating so many different products that at, at one point, it's just, it, it became so hard to manage and support all these. And so I had to sell some products off and I had to um, kind of, you know, dwindle down to, to just a handful. And so, and obviously with pay kickstart, that's, that's where 95% of my, my day is. And so, you know, it's hard for me not to go off on a tangent and want to go do something else just Mm -hmm. because my mind is always going. And I'm sure a lot of people who are entrepreneurs kind of have that as well. Just have like 10, 10 different pieces of paper with different ideas on in each. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're getting close to the end here, but a couple more questions. I see a, a bunch of books back there, which is the book that you feel like has helped you the most? Um, one of my favorite books is, is uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. I, I love uh, books really that talk about, you know, uh, bootstrapping and, and lean startups. Um, just, you know, I, I, one of the first jobs I ever had, you know, was with a, a larger corporation. And I just remember like all of the pointless, uh, you know, meetings and like a meeting to go over the meeting. And it's just yeah. like, <laughs> man, so like, I, I always, I'm always looking for books just on how to be more efficient, how to, how to, how to grow when, we don't, we don't have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in VC funding. And, you know, some of our, our uh, competitors, you know, they have hundreds of employees. We don't have that. So we need to be smart about how we go to market. Right. And so I'm always looking for, for books on, on that type of stuff. Which is also good, right? Like if something big happened and you guys had to pivot, you guys yeah. would be able to pivot a lot faster than these people with a thousand employers, uh, employees and, and so on. So that's, that's really I would say it's a, you know, it's a double-edged sword kind of thing. It is. Yep. Pros and cons. And another question here, when you look at different companies in the SaaS space, are there any that you specifically look up to? And, and I know, you know, you mentioned earlier that you like to reverse engineer companies and stuff like that. Is there one specifically that you not necessarily reverse engineer, but just look up to and say, you know, these guys are definitely doing something right. So let's, let's see if we can, you know, learn anything from them. Yeah. Um, and, and usually what I'll do is I'll try to find something like that they're, extremely good at and I'll focus on that. So for, for an example, like uh, HubSpot, they do really good at content marketing. They're yeah. amazing at content marketing. Their blog is one of the best in the industry. They own the so entire love, internet. What's that? They own the entire marketing internet. They, they really do. And so like when I'm creating my blog strategy, I, I want to look at them because they do it the best, right? And then something like Intercom, right? You start out when, like if you, if you get an Intercom account, you might be paying, you know, 30 bucks in the beginning, but within a couple months, you're paying a few hundred dollars. You're like, man, how, like the, their expansion revenue strategy is amazing. It's amazing how they can upsell. So like, I'll look at an intercom for something like that. And then, you know, something like usability, like how Slack and, you know, just all the kind of mainstream apps. I'll just kind of like look and say, oh man, that's a, an amazing homepage. That's a really cool pricing page. And so I'll try to mimic, you know, similar things for different, uh, Mix and match all the all the expertises. Yeah, beautiful. And last question here, Mark. Do you have any questions for me? Do I have any questions for you? Wow, I never had anyone ask me that. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, what what has been your biggest challenge since you're running an ad agency, and, and and I do have some background in it. What what's been your biggest challenge for growing it and scaling it? Oh, that's a good question. I think that's <laughs> that that is it, right? Um, it's really figuring out something that I've been really just head in is 
figuring out a, a sustainable sales system, a lot of the times I notice, you know, there's a lot of referrals and obviously those are good. And I think those are probably the best for any sort of business out there where, you know, word of mouth obviously is going to just beat everything out of the water. But I think just creating a system that, you know, I can just repeat. And it's funny because, and this is something that you see with every single agency, unless you're, you know, like VaynerMedia or some of the other like huge agencies that have just budget to spend on advertising, you never really see an agency spend money on their own advertising. So that's actually something I've been trying to crack. Uh, so if you look for very specific keywords, we'll actually show up, but it's, you know, just figuring out a way to, to get a, a very, very consistent number of leads for the agency that are qualified, that they know exactly what they're getting into instead of, you know, getting on the phone with somebody and, and they don't really even know what to expect. Uh, right. So it's just figuring that entire, you know, system out where they just come in ready to, to like, let's, let's get this thing going. So I would say that's the biggest issue so far. All right. I got, I got one more question for you. So, and I don't know if it's still the same, but when I was running, uh, when I was managing marketing clients, my, the biggest pains in the asses were the ones that were paying me the least. Is it oh, yeah. still like that? <laughs> it's always like that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's definitely, that's definitely one of the bigger issues too. Um, luckily we're increasing, uh, you know, like retainers and stuff like that. So we like, you definitely see that difference when, somebody's paying you the, you know, $2,000 a month where somebody's paying you $2,000 a month, just night and day. I mean, the, the one that's paying the least is always hitting you up with questions day after day after day. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's one of the reasons we're actually increasing our pricing. We've noticed that our lowest plan churns at about three times higher than our yeah. mid and higher plan. So it's like, you know, it's almost like just get rid of it and, you know, go for, just kind of go up market a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So I would definitely say that's, that's, that's the, the main thing that I'm just, you know, cracking my head open, trying to figure out how to do it, but yeah. working on it. Cool. <laughs> but um, thank you, Mark, so much for being on here. It was really a pleasure speaking with you and learning a lot more about what you do, what you've done uh, and what you're working on. So appreciate the time and we'll stay in touch. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Take care.